Chicago, what do you say? Cubs gonna win today. Go Cubs, go. Go Cubs, go. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? Cubs gonna win today. I'm shocked that the Cubs have a song about winning. They play after every win. Every, so not that every, much. Every time. Oh, oh, that burn would work if we just didn't win the World Series, Liz. You yeah, idiot. <laughs> Ah, welcome to Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizzle on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers, Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And Ben is still riding a high from this week. Uh, Can't imagine why. It's been like two days. <laughs> it's funny because now his, usually Ben is, usually you might, you might be aware that Ben is a pretty existential young man. He kind of spends a lot of time thinking about the meaninglessness of existence. But now it's like flipped over to this other like really sunny positive side where nothing matters anymore, but in a good way. Yeah, I can't uh, I can't justify my excitement over this other than kind of deriving happiness from others and, and the general positivity in the air brought by the five million loud voices in Chicago just losing their frickin' minds. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I feel great. Yeah, did I, I sent you the video of like somebody from like a mile away from Chicago just listening? Oh, no, they were up in the uh, they were up in one of the downtown skyscrapers, so right. they were like in the heat of it, but they could hear the city around them, and it was it was wild. Yeah, no, it's a, it's been a very it's been a very exciting uh, very exciting night of television that baseball game. Yeah, it was. Um, no, I mean I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was one of the best games I've ever seen. Oh, absolutely, easily the best game I've ever seen. <laughs> how how are you feeling uh, at that point when uh, they kind of tied it up? You know, Liz, at the bottom of the eighth, I was I was a little down. I'm going to be honest with you. I was feeling I was feeling a little concerned that that perhaps we'd we'd blown our lead. But I I knew if we just got out of that inning, if we just got out of the eighth without giving up the lead, without you know letting them take over, right? We were going to be fine. Okay, we were going to be just fine. And you know what? We were. Well, congratulations. Thanks, Liz. You're welcome. Feel great about it. Thanks to everybody on Twitter for reaching out, too. You guys are the best. <laughs> we were all very worried about you. Well, you know, you should be, but <laughs> probably more so for other things. I mean, the, the Cubs are, I mean, of late, a pretty, pretty positive influence. Yeah, that's good. That's, you know, we'll see how things go next season. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, but that's uh, many, many months away. In the meantime... You know what's interesting? I was I was going to challenge my I was going to challenge you to come up with a segue to our actual topic of discussion for this week, um, but I think I got uh, it. Oh, okay, good. I want to. Okay, okay. Mine is basically, you know, apologies if we just spoiled for you the results of the World Series. This is what your your this was going to be your direction. No, yours is better though. Okay, I kind of want to hear yours, but I'll finish mine. Uh, so, you know, apologies if we spoiled the World, World Series for you, but it kind of leads us to our topic of discussion for this week, which is, can you spoil a historical event, and especially in the context of, say, a period drama? That's, that's very thorough. Yes. That was a good transition. Thank you. I was simply going to go with moving on from one crowning achievement to another. Oh! <laughs> which doesn't quite... Entail the uh, the thesis as Liz as Liz's transition did, but you know gets us there. Gets us there, uh, but yeah. So when they make the twenty in thirty years from now, when they make the period film about twenty sixteen, and they you know 
show show people watching the the sportsing game on the sportsing on the sportsing boxes that we use. I think all Cubs fans will still be on the edge of their seats, praying and hoping that they still manage to win the game. We're just that accustomed to you know the horrible not winning to to just uh, tragedy befalling us that it would almost be fitting for a film to reverse that, but also far too cruel. Yes, but um. The, yes, the reason the reason this to- kind of topic of discussion comes up is because, as Ben mentioned, the Crown premiered uh, as of as of your listening to this last Friday on Netflix, and this is a this is a very thorough telling of the story of uh, Queen Elizabeth II in her early years as a as you know monarch. Yes. Yes. It is. It is. Very I d- thorough. Very thorough. Very thorough. How much do you feel like you know about British about the British government? that you didn't know before. Ben has watched the whole thing. I've only seen two episodes. 40% more than I did before. 40%. Yeah. What was like the one thing that really surprised you about it? Um, oh, that's a good question that I wasn't expecting. Uh, I think, oh, I'm gonna have to think about this. Well, you take a minute. I mean, the thing the thing that's really- I think it was the choices, basically. Like it was the, it was the fact that when I think of the Queen of England, you know, somebody, whoever, you know, king or queen, whoever's top dog over there. Yeah. I think they've pretty much got the, the run of the land, you know. They can, they can do whatever the heck they want to do. And in this, because of custom, because of tradition, uh, because of kind of the higher calling of the court of the, of the. The thing. The thing upon on high, the thing that you wear the crown for. You know, the th- they don't have a lot of say they they they're very much dictated by custom and and they don't have as much authority as maybe we think they do even though they're technically allowed a lot of leeway like they can they can make pronunciations but they're gonna they're gonna get some backlash like i don't know it once you see it i think you'll understand a little bit what i'm talking about because a lot of it goes around kind of political negotiations involving family and custom and religion and all how all these things kind of tie together and affect you know Britain as a whole, the, the world as a whole at the time. I mean, just very big ideas uh, that boil down to what to me seemed like, well, she's the friggin' queen. She can do whatever she wants. And that's just not the case. No, I mean, I think from everything, I've read a lot of fiction about, you know, kings and queens and, you know, also done a little bit of reading about history. And I think there's a philosoph- there's a philosophy um, at, at when you are when you are in that position that you are you are not in charge of everyone you are instead a public servant to your entire like country and i mean this is in novels i've read like sure yeah um but yeah like so i mean but it is like it is kind of a weird reversal of what you'd expect like you expect that the king would be able to do whatever the hell he wanted but you know that's called a despot and in, in this in the current in in quasi modern british government that's not at all the way it works well no and i guess i guess to be a little more specific without giving away any spoilers which i'm sure we're going to get back to in just a second yeah um it wasn't so much that i expected the queen to just be able to like point out and make a law like i know that's not how it works i expected her to have a little more decision making power as to what she was going to do on even a day-to-day basis or what her family would do on a day-to-day basis or who her family was able to marry you know when they wanted to get married like all of these kind of things which are obviously larger scandals um to me felt more like she understands the way the people feel she understands the way that she feels and yet she cannot simply act that way like it's not that easy for her 
um, which leads us into spoiler territory and leads us into our bigger conversation, which is, is it a spoiler if we if it happened historically? If it's if it's fairly widely known historical knowledge. I mean, the, the thing about the crown is there are a lot of specifics. There is a lot of stuff that is, you know, behind closed doors, as you'd say, without getting too, you know, scandalous or without crossing too many lines. Um, you still get kind of that inside peek, and there's obviously a lot of discussions that are based in fact, but you know, kind of made up for the drama of it. Um, but those bigger plot points, you, the things you know are coming simply because of what year it is or what month it is, you're you're aware of that if you had a good history teacher, if you have a good memory, if you've done research on your own, if you Wikipedia Elizabeth II when you start watching The Crown. Um, but at the same time, there's people who will not do that, who are fresh to this, who are a young audience or simply you know less educated audience or a ignorant audience or a forgetful audience like yours truly, um, who don't know what's coming until it's happening in front of them. And the suspense of that is still played up because it's a drama series, because it is still there to entertain you and still there to be a storytelling device that plays out in a way similar to all the other TV shows out there. So is it wrong of you to spoil it? However, if you're on Twitter, if you are writing an article, if you are talking to your friend at the water cooler, like, can you spoil what happens in season one of The Crown? I mean, there's there's certain things I feel like in talking with you right now about it, like as someone who has only seen two episodes, so I know, and and with probably actually at this point less of knowledge of British uh, British history than than you have, um, but yeah, it, it, there I'm trying to think, I'm like thinking about like what are the things I wouldn't want you to tell me, like. You know, I wouldn't want you to tell me exactly the circumstances under which she does assume the throne, even though there's a pretty clear, it's not like hard to figure out how Elizabeth becomes the queen. Um, but I was literally just about to say, spoiler alert, <laughs> the, the, the person who's in, above her, the you know, person ahead of her in the rankings dies. Um, but like, you know, you, I wouldn't want you to tell me about what that scene looks like in the show and like what to expect from it and when to expect it. Um, but I feel like, and, and like also, and similarly, like, you know, we can tell you we're we're pretty sure we need to check this because it's in a different article that's going up this weekend. Um, but we're currently we currently believe that the show ends in 1955, but we couldn't. But we want we'd want to avoid telling you specifically what that ends with. I think I, I wouldn't. I I don't want you telling me what the last scene of the first season is. But see, there's an interesting counterpoint to what you just said. Anybody who is knowledgeable of British history because you said it ends in 1955, has a very good idea now of what the last scene is. Interesting. Like, but, but just based on the year? Oh, absolutely. But what that says to me, though, is that there is something really significant in 1955 that I'm missing. Well, sure, but that's not really important yeah. to you because you have no idea what it is. Yeah. What I'm saying is even when we're trying to guard against spoilers, even yes. if, even if which when we, you which when you're literally telling me what you don't want to know, right. what we just said could potentially be a spoiler for somebody who's who's knowledgeable of it and wants to see how the show is going to play out. They may know the historical beats to a T. They're watching to see how accurate it is. They're watching to see how they, you know, explore this drama and they're, you know, just going to wait and see what happens and then all of a sudden there's a spoiler for him but you know i feel like those people are probably few and far between at the same time going back to what you said before a lot of that a lot of those formal elements a lot of the discussion surrounding kind of how her coronation plays out or um 
specifics within the well-known events are kind of how we're accustomed to talking about TV in general. If there's something in a trailer or if there is a very prominent scene coming up in a show that you just know about that's coming and it's happening, one of the things you read reviews for is to kind of understand if they succeeded in accomplishing this from a technical, formal aspect. Is the performance good in that moment? Is the direction good in that moment? And yet for this, you don't want to give that stuff away because it feels almost like twice the spoiler. So it's kind of hard to talk about it to satisfy everybody, and you kind of just got to, it feels to me like you kind of just got to seek out your own coverage based on your own knowledge. Yes. And then if, you know, you're just having a conversation with somebody, basically interrupt them and be like, oh, don't tell me anything. Or, so I don't understand, she's a queen and her name is Lizzie? I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. It's in well. There's what's interesting about talking about the spoiler question is there's kind of a weird flip side to it. Um, in I, I spoke with the creator of the show, Peter Morgan, uh, at, during TCA's this summer, and one thing he mentioned in the interview, which is going up as mentioned this weekend, is that he he feels like the show, the first season, has a different sort of impact than you'd expect because you know the end game you don't you're not watching the you're not watching the crown like on the edge of your seat like oh man is episode five the one where queen elizabeth bites it like because no spoiler alert she lives she's still alive so um (laughs) yeah not too many surprise deaths not too many game of thrones moments in the crown yes exactly and so is there do you feel like there's maybe a comfort in that like in knowing in having like a sense of awareness based on history that like you know like she's gonna things are gonna work out for old queen liz i feel like there is a little bit of comfort in that if that's what you're looking for from the show um i don't feel like anyone would go into a period drama of this much prestige and magnitude hoping for those kind of juicy twists like hoping for somebody to just bite it so that it's a, a, a shock value kind of thing right but at the same time what you're saying is is it is you are able to appreciate this because it also allows the director, the writers, all those creative people to find new angles to explore, to not worry about shocking us with, with anything too easy and really mine the depths of these people, like really find the juicy, interesting, compelling background of these characters and then figure out the best way to tell it dramatically. And The Crown does this very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, in my review, I, I was clear about kind of the show being a little too polished. Like, it doesn't seem to have much of an edge. This feels very familiar to anybody who's watched kind of prestige period dramas. Um, but at the same time, what it's trying to do, it does very, very, very well. The episodes individually are constructed well. The money that was spent on this, which was a lot, was used wisely. You can see it in every scene, every every shot. Um, and then the performances are fantastic. So there's a lot to admire in this. And knowing that somebody's not going to just kick the bucket all of a sudden, not worrying about spoilers coming down the line, allows you to kind of appreciate some of those uh, formal elements more so perhaps than other series. Yeah, and... It's what's, what's interesting about what you just said is something that also I think connects to the first thing I've thought of when we've talked about bring talked about uh, discussing this topic, which is uh, the People versus O.J. Simpson, uh, which uh, if you did not watch, of course, was the net, you know not Netflix, excuse me, uh, FX miniseries from the spring, which did a really fascinating, compelling job of telling the story of 
one of the world's most famous trials. And but it, the stuff about it that it, it did keep us slightly in suspense, slightly on the edge of our seats over the course of the whole series, even though like the outcome was very clear from the beginning because you know history happened. Uh, but in the stuff that the stuff that was really suspenseful, I found was the stuff that probably bordered on fictional more than most, such as such as the relationship between Marsha Clark and Chris Darden, mm. which is is a very complicated thing, especially in later episodes. Yeah, I wouldn't say that it's fictional though. That's very much based in fact. That's very much based in people discussing the, in their own discussions on, about on what a happened. scale of a scale of fact to fiction. That stuff verges more on the side of fiction. I. From what I've read, I disagree with that. Look, we all know that they got they they, they bumped with the they made with the made with the smoochies, but or actually we didn't no, even they see that in the series. They yeah. didn't even go that far. That's true, uh, but they pushed. But, I, I, but you know What's what I'm fa- saying. Well, to me, I I'd almost disagree though. What to me was fascinating about the people versus O.J. Simpson was that I went into it almost. I think it was exactly what their tagline was. It's the story that you thought you knew or something like that. Where. I went into it thinking, we've seen this before. They're going to milk this for all the soapy drama that we're already familiar with from living through this trial so many times over. And instead, it was in the very small details that they pulled out of this very dense novel that inspired it uh, that made the show really interesting and really compelling, as well as, you know, the form elements, like we talked about, the way it's told, which worked very, very well. Uh, And with The Crown, I'm completely ignorant as to how accurate the show is. I, I didn't watch this and go, oh my God, I, I didn't know that happened. I was pretty much just cruising through it going, I don't know, I know the broader strokes of this, but I don't know <laughs> how to judge if any of the minutia is accurate or not. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of that kind of coverage coming out as soon as you know it's out to everybody and everybody kind of gets uh, into it. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely an interesting parallel to both of these shows, kind of how much the audience knows going into it and how that changes their expectations and how that changes the story's uh, construction. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I just feel like, I feel like the stuff that I got more, I got most sucked into in terms of like not knowing what was going to happen next was more character relationships of the stuff behind closed doors. And I feel like The Crown probably falls into a similar place where you know, especially when it comes to the family, the fam- family handling certain dramas internally, like stuff that you know the public would never be aware of normally. Yes and no. I, I, I it's it's true that there's definitely there's definitely lots of discussions, quote unquote, behind closed doors that we don't know exactly what was said. But because of the prominence of this royal family, because of how much exposure they had back in the day, I feel like a lot of this is. Known and and a lot of the topics within the show are talked about in a context in which it seems like the press and the 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 world found out mm-hmm. one way or another. So maybe they didn't know the exact uh, construction of it. Winston Churchill, for instance, is a very interesting figure in this, uh, as played by John Lithgow, because you see him as a little bit more of a conniving politician than a beloved Great Britain figure. Um, and I feel like this is fairly well known already. I feel like they're not really breaking a whole lot of new ground here, but there's certain moments within the story that feel kind of like revealing, oh my, kind of moments. And one, I, I think it's, I don't, I don't think it's my favorite episode, but pretty close to the top was when he gets his portrait done. He's having his portrait Churchill's painted. portrait. And he goes, has this 
very personal, revealing conversation with the painter, with the artist who's there. Um, and I'm, I'll be very interested to know how much of that is based in fact or where that inspiration came from. It feels far too detailed and almost far too perfectly written to have happened anywhere close, really, to, to how it does on the, in the show. But there definitely could have been a similar reaction to this, and I feel like the broader arc of what they're trying to say in that moment and with this part of the story definitely applies pretty strictly to what happened to Winston Churchill. Interesting. It's actually, gosh, I, this is, I'm mad now because uh, I also, in doing interviews uh, for The Crown, I did get to speak with John Lithgow a bit. And uh, I got to speak with John Lithgow a little bit, and he talked about that. He talked about the portrait scene. I'll have to mm. dig that up. I mean, and you, you'll be able to read about it on IndieWire.com, I'm sure. Yep, coming coming soon to a website near you. Yeah, my favorite, my favorite thing about the John Lithgow thing is that, about John Lithgow playing Winston Churchill is that, you know, Usually, it's kind of notable that an American was playing the role, um, and he was very he was very funny about it. It was just apparently, apparently, when he went to England, he people asked him what he was doing there. He was like, "Oh, well, I'm playing I'm playing Winston Churchill," and they if, it turns out that like for British men, Winston Churchill is like the equivalent of Christopher Walken. By which I mean every man thinks they have a Christopher Walken impression, and every British man thinks they have a Winston Churchill impression. Interesting. Note I say thinks. Right. But <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure yours is very good. Oh, I don't have one at all. You don't. Have a, you don't tried. have. You, you don't. You don't have a Christopher Walken. Nope. You've never tried to do Christopher Walken. No. Really. No. His voice is far too distinct, and it's a. It's like a pattern, you know. It's got like a, a lot of breaks in it and inflections and. Timing is is kind of a key in how to do a good walk, and I like a general accent that I can apply across the board. Ah, okay. Well, I take it back. Every every American man except for Ben has yeah. a Christopher Walken. Well, you've got a Walken. I've heard you do a Walken before. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a man. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Spoilers. Breaking news. Uh, but no, I mean, kind of getting back to the spoiler discussion. I think yes. what's important to me about something like The Crown and how it falls in terms of spoiler territory is just if I don't know the story and I know there's a way to hear the story be told in a great way, I want to hear it told in a great way. I don't want somebody to just come out of nowhere and give me major tidbits or explain it bluntly before I see it in a great way. So you so while watching The Crown, did you ever once like go to Wikipedia and look something up? I only did when I was done with that event. So, like, if a major event happened, I'd look up that event, and I'd kind of see what they got. Not necessarily what they got right or wrong, just kind of the the, the surrounding elements of it. But I didn't verge anywhere near going ahead of schedule until after the season wrapped. That's interesting. I mean, I remember when I was covering uh, when I was covering O.J. Simpson. Uh, there is one point. There is there's an incident where you see you see Lance Ito and his wife talk about how, you know, he's going to get assigned the case. Spoiler alert: Lance Ito was the judge on that case. I'm just having a lot of fun saying spoiler alert today. Sorry, guys. Um, but he he and his wife are talking about it, and you know, she's it turns out she was a cop, and she you know knew Mark Furman, and. The thing I I remember watching that early scene, and I was like, "Oh man, that's probably going to be important later." Because she had to, she kind of lied about knowing Mark Furman, and so I looked her up, and I was, and I did legitimately get spoiled for a twist coming down the pipeline, sure. and 
I remember being really frustrated by that, even though I had no one to blame but Wikipedia. Well, and that's that was one of the things that I like when I said events. Yeah, uh, I didn't look up characters. Like I didn't go to a character. That's probably page the smart way to do because it because it's they have those summaries right up top. It's kind of hard to sift through that and see information without getting extra information, uh, just because of the way it's constructed. Uh, but in terms of events, you can kind of like that event is from X time to X time or Y time, and, and then you know that's it. Um, but yeah, so I I I'm not gonna get mad if it, during the course of watching a historical drama. I come across a spoiler. I'm not going to, but I'm definitely not going to seek it out either. I feel like preserving that great storytelling device is is important if you don't have it yet. The only thing that I'd caution that with is if it's for some reason a bad historical drama or a horribly inaccurate historical drama, you need to know that ahead of time. Um, I wish I had more authority to tell you whether or not The Crown was that. I feel fairly comfortable saying it's not. I feel pretty good about how honest they were with telling well, you were, us, you- but... You were reading the history, you know, you were reading what history had to say about the events being covered, like what was... Those seemed very... They seemed very, very dead on. Yeah, yeah, pretty accurate. Uh, Cool. Um, Is there, when you say a very bad or very inaccurate period drama, is there something you're thinking of? No. Wow. I don't, I don't expose myself too often to that. Yeah, there's, that's, that's a good point. There's this one movie I've been always, I've always kind of wanted to see, which is uh, W.E. Um, which is the movie, I believe, directed by Madonna, that is about the uh, the about the abdication of Edward the Seventh, Eighth, Eighth, I think. Eighth, okay, yeah, but Edward the Eighth, uh, you're, yeah, I think you're right. Who's a very big role in this? Who plays him? I don't know. Okay, some guy. Yep. Some British guy. Some white dude. Some white dude. I mean, they all look the same then. I know. It's t- it makes it tough for us. It does. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, Edward VIII is a fascinating figure in so many respects, uh, especially if you read about his time during uh, during the 1930s when he was like, yeah, you know, if Hitler, if Hitler wins the war, sure, I get to be king again. Um, that, there's, is, that, is that stuff like stuff about that? In, no, oh. no, they don't trod that ground. But anyways, um, W.E. as directed by Madonna apparently takes the tries to take paint the relationship between Edward VIII and Wallace Simpson is a very romantic one, which, eh, they probably got along pretty well, but that's a weird, complicated thing. Are you double-checking W.E.? I'm double-checking Edward VIII. It ah. is Edward VIII. Okay, great. Thank yeah. you. Um, <clears throat> that's what matters. Uh, anywho, <laughs> my point in bringing that up was, like, I know that that movie is going to be wildly historically inaccurate, and I really want to see what they do to the story. Yeah, I mean, I... I think that's a, a good example. The only thing I could think of is something like JFK, which I don't consider to be this in the same vein. I consider it to be a brilliant film, um, but because it's so laden with conspiracy theories, kind of digging into all of them feels like something you're obligated to do when you're done, kind of examining those on your own. And, and th- I mean, that's part of the point of the, sh- of the movie is just displaying that what happened couldn't be what really happened um, mm-hmm. or what we're told happened couldn't be what really happened. But... When you're presented with stuff like that, when you're presented with something salacious or, or extreme or, or just stylized even, um, you want to double check that stuff or at least, you know, approach it with a with a grain of salt. But a lot of these, and, and honestly to the fault a little bit of the crowd, a lot of these are presented with such a straightforward, clear, honorable, prestigious air that it, it 
feels so authentic, you don't want to question anything. It feels like, oh my God, these guys are treating this with such reverence. There's no way they would ever, you know, betray my trust like this. And, you know, I'm going along with that for a, a certain degree. But anyway, I, uh, I don't want any spoilers, guys. Just for general purposes, don't spoil me about anything. Indeed. I don't need to know. Uh, Queen Elizabeth lives. How long, though? I don't know. That's you don't question. even know that. I don't even know that. It's right. Who does know? I don't know. God. God. If, if, if she's out there, she knows. Mm-hmm. It's got very esoteric on us. Alanis Merced probably knows. I mean, this this inspires me to ask a question that, uh, you know, I feel like we haven't done our questions of the week in a while. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, but I want to. I feel like Ben and I want to know, like, how how seriously you take spoilers when you're watching a historical drama. Like, how big a deal is it? Uh, if how big a deal is it if you happen to know ba- the basic historical outlines of an event that's being chronicled in the show you're watching? Um, and in addition, so it, it, so um, if you have thoughts on that. Uh, you should email me, Liz at IndieWire.com, and Ben, Ben at IndieWire.com. Again, well, Ben, what was the question I'm asking people? I have no idea. Okay. I, I'm sorry. I, I took a second glance at the screen when you started talking when, after I Googled Edward VIII and the first in the news um, headline, which I'm not going to say who's it's for because I don't want to give anybody any shit that's undeserving. It's, a, it's an SEO headline. like It's for search engine op- optimization, so it may not be the whole story. But it says, did Edward VIII really abdicate the throne? The crown is historically accurate. <laughs> what a scoop, guys. Somebody missed the king's speech. <laughs> Somebody did. Um, yes, sorry. If I sounded distracted just then, that was because Ben was very quietly I hiding. Was howling. He was like, howling was on the inside. Like, this was... Um, after after seeing that headline. Of all the questions that you have after the crown, like going into it, it's like, did he really abdicate? That sounds too crazy. There's no way anybody would do that. That sounds cray. Yeah. That's that sounds nuts. cray. Get out of here. Um, so yes, anyways, question is, um, when you're watching a period drama of some sort, how seriously do you take spoilers and how hard do you work to avoid getting spoiled? Even if you have perhaps a, and how does it affect your enjoyment if you perhaps know what's going to happen next? So many questions this week. Yeah, just talk to us about spoilers and period dramas. That's what we're looking for, guys. Yeah, we're I curious. So fascinated. Yeah, but in the meantime, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Well, as as a very wise viewer already pointed out, I want to say within, or I shouldn't say viewer, listener, obviously, um, I think it was within minutes of the Chicago Cubs winning the World Series. <laughs> They just asked, so Ben, I think I know, or Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? That is obviously the best thing I watched this year, is the Chicago Cubs winning the World Series. That was it's, pretty good. It's going to top our top 10 TV shows, spoiler alert, of 2016. Oh, that's actually Chicago good. Chicago Cubs I, World Series. Boom. Number one. Actually, I was, that's great, because I was, I was feeling bad for you, because The Leftovers isn't able to be the top of the list this year. So Only real successor, right? I mean, the only thing that could really replace anything is... is ambitious and admirable and once in a lifetime as the leftovers is has got to be the Chicago Cubs winning Lordy, a World Series. Lordy. It's fitting. So um, obviously, you know, props to my home state, my beloved city in Chicago and uh, God bless Jake Arrieta, Anthony Rizzo, John Lester and MVP Ben Zobrist. I love you all. You Liz. Don't, you, don't want, you don't want to list the entire ne- team? Do you want me to go through the no. lineup? No. I love you Kyle Schwarber, Addison Russell <laughs> no, hitting stop. that granny. You killer you. Oh, my God. They're all so good. Javi, you settled down your swing. I'm so proud, buddy. You're doing great. Congratulations to the baseball players. You played baseball good. They played it great. 
They played it better great. than anyone else. They did play it better than anyone else. Now, Liz, yes. I know you watched the World Series, so should we skip this question? That was no, the best thing well, you watched. I'll mention things. You got? Do you have multiple again? Yes. God. All right, I'm gonna take a break. No, you're not. Um. Well, I have a thing I watched and then a thing I read, but they both apply. No, reading is not watching, Liz. No, but I want to talk about it. God. Deal with it. Ah, the best, the best thing I read last week um, was my review copy of the Mr. Robot book, Re- Red Wheelbarrow, which is not necessarily an easy phrase to say. And Red Wheelbarrow uh, had me at the office late into the night, late into the evening anyway, um, sifting through handwritten pages of Elliot's journal from the show and trying to solve clues. And I, you know, emailing with like my friends who know Bible verses to see if they understood like some of these secrets that were hiding and maybe in, in things. And it was just very, it was a very engaging uh, experience that I, if you're a Mr. Robot fan at all, you know that the show, you, you know that you've, there's a rich tapestry of ancillary material around the show with websites and VR content and whatnot. And it's definitely worth checking out, uh, checking out the book and that if you have it, an opportunity. And don't buy it as an ebook. Actually, physically buy the book. It's worth it. It's really cool to kind of hold it in your hands and experience it on a visceral level. It's just going to seem silly on a tablet. Um, so that was one thing. And then the other thing is I did really enjoy uh, People of Earth, which is a very charming, uh, very charming uh, TBS comedy, which premiered. Technically premiered as of the 31st, uh, but it's basically really officially running as of the, this week. And it's uh, got stars Wyatt Cenac as a guy who's um, who meets a group of alien experiencers. Uh, they are, you know, abductees, essentially, and then gets caught up in a very quirky, very sweet sort of mystery. Sounds great. Thank you. It almost looked like you were listening. Yeah, almost. People or TBS, Wyatt's neck, great. <laughs> What's the next thing you're looking forward to? Well, Liz, let me tell you. Okay. It is what I would call the most underseen or at least underappreciated TV show of 2015. 2015. It's coming back in 2016 for season two. Okay. It's on Amazon. Oh, yeah. It's a comedy. Yep. Stars, stars Paul Reiser, <sighs> among others. Yep. You want to just list the whole cast now? I don't think I can. Okay. I could finish the Cubs lineup. Do you want me to do that? No. <laughs> uh, Red Oaks, guys. Uh, I've talked about it a few times before. I may have talked about it last week. I don't remember. I'm talking about it again. Red Oaks premieres on Friday. If we survive the election, yes. watch it. If we don't survive the election and our last days you know, are starting to be numbered, Red Oaks is a great way to flash back to the nostalgic 80s where things were better. Things were pretty good. Things were, you know, livable. Survivable. It, it makes it pretty damn entertaining while you're back there. Lots of lots of important, you know, well, I guess it wouldn't be that important if uh, we're going to die or if, you know, time is going to end. We're not going to die right but, away, um, Ben. We've got like a couple of months before the inauguration. But even if, you know, you know it's coming, some of these are bigger existential questions about, you know, your future and about what you want to do with your life and the meaning of life and what's important in life. A lot of these are raised by Red Oaks, and, you know. 
if you don't really have that option anymore, then it doesn't matter as much. But the show is so damn entertaining, you should give it a, a chance anyway. I'm just I'm, right now. I'm just kind of hung up on this idea that the election's ever ending. Yeah, it's not. But yeah, that's true. But vote, people. Vote tomorrow. Vote. If you're listening to this on Monday, vote tomorrow. tomorrow. If it's Tuesday, hey, guess what? It's election day. If it's a Wednesday and you didn't vote already, you stupid idiots, you're out. Don't listen to this. You're banned. Can we banned. do that? Can we figure that out? Yeah. Okay. We have the technology. Great. Red Oaks, though. Watch Red. this. I mean, watch that. Liz, what are you looking forward to? I looking forward to is a tough one on this, but I feel like I am. I feel like I am to some degree. I am preparing myself emotionally and physically to dive back into the affair. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> that takes a while, I feel. Yeah, no, I'm not. It, it, it does, in fact. Like, I got the screen. We got the We've officially received screeners for the first three episodes. Um, and <laughs> I think this is one of those shows where I just kind of have to resign myself to being the only one to write about it because no one else will want to write about it. Oh, I can't wait to review it. Are you going to review the first? You didn't I watch might. the second season. I watched some of it. Hmm. Huh. I can catch up. Eh, do you want to, though? I don't know yet. Hmm. I might need to. I might need to purge. We can talk about it offline. We can talk about it offline. But I'm just saying, like, the affair is returning, and it's it's never a it's never a boring show. No, but it. I feel like it's a lot tougher this year because you're not getting Homeland with it. Like they're not both paired in the fall for you to kind of have a fairly reliable source of quality drama, and then a sometimes preposterous source of. You know, questionable. Uh, I just realized. So the show premieres on J- November twentieth, I believe, ish. Sounds right. Uh, yeah, November twentieth. I'm gonna be watching it through Christmas. I don't want to watch the affair during Christmas. Maybe they'll take a break. Like you know, but just like the Christmas season. Like I'm not gonna watch it on Christmas Day. That's yeah, not they happening. Gotta, they, they'd probably have to. I think they'll call Christmas Day. It's on a Sunday. I doubt they'd have an episode. There. Is Christmas Day on a Sunday? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, they're not going to – oh, God, what if they did, though? (laughs) I mean, you're not doing episode reviews this year, are you? I might. No. Why not? It doesn't deserve it. Okay, we'll watch it. We'll decide if it deserves it. It deserved it last year. No, it did not. Then why did you let me do them? I don't let you do anything. You're the editor. Fair. In your face. (laughs) (laughs) You can tell what kind of authority I have. I know. Um – before we wrap things up, I just want to give a special shout out to uh, our good good friend and listener, Robert, uh, who uh, did a lovely job finding the ultimate sandwich place, I think, in in the area um, for, for I mean, we didn't we didn't even have a sandwich bed going, he, he, but his sandwich, the sandwiches he brought us were amazing. So thank you very much for that. It's like Robert lost a sandwich bed, which I can't imagine Robert doing. No, he's too much of an expert. He's, he, he knows the game. Yeah. We've taught him well. Yeah, he knows. He's part of the game. He, 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 know, he knows to the avoid. Game is the game, and Robert knows the game. Yeah. Well said. If only there was a TV show that could make use of stunning dialogue like that. Oh, there was. It was called The Game. It was a BBC oh. show about spies. <laughs> Not what you were expecting, Elizabeth. <laughs> You threw me a curveball. All right. I let's respect wrap that. it up. Yep. You can go to IndieWire.com for news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like about your favorite shows. Make sure you listen to all of the IndieWire podcasts while you're at it. I mean, there's Turn It On with our own Michael Schneider. Yep. For your weekly dose of TV that you need to be watching or at least caring about right now. Um, there is Screen Talk with Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn. Yeah. Fantastic, wonderful 
human beings who talk about film, and the Oscars are, they're here, guys. Guess what? On the last episode, debuted on Friday, they debated Mel Gibson and Hacksaw Ridge. How do you not want to hear them talk about Mel Gibson? That sounds great. Um, and then we've got our Filmmaker Toolkit podcast with yeah. Chris O'Fault. Chris O'Fault, who freaking talked to Paul Verhoeven. Yeah, he did. That's insane. Crazy talk. I should have known in advance because I have many showgirls questions. <laughs> Don't we all? Uh, but no, I mean, so seriously, line up. Great. Subscribe to them all. Definitely. And if you feel so inclined, you should go and find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. And better yet, obviously, find Liz on Twitter. That's at Lizlet with an I and an E. Correct. Uh, we will be back next week. And in the meantime, you guys, as always, keep watching television. Thank you.